Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed specifically by women-identified directors that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my most favorite and most haunted friends, Ariel. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Hey, you know what I'm going to wonder, right? I always ask, how have you been? What have you been up to? But Uh let's cut the bullshit. I need to know (laughs) what's happening with Ghostwatch 2021. Well, well, so I took you up on your suggestion that I should say hello to it the next time my DVD player said hello. Yes. So I did that. Yes. And nothing happened. No. And now every time I'm watching TV, it tries to fast forward or rewind my show or switch it to something different. And what? I asked for a bigger pizza and they just stopped showing up altogether. So I think I might have Oh, <laughs> did, they th- did the ghost think you were ungrateful? Yeah, maybe. It was like pan pizza or nothing. <laughs> and I was just mad at me. <laughs> Is it a nice guy ghost? And it's just like, women just take, take, take. They can't appreciate a nice ghost. Oh, God, I hope not. That would be the worst. <laughs> Can you imagine? Is, is there any chance someone in another apartment has a remote that's like on your same frequency? <gasps> oh, shit. I never even thought of that. That's that only, would make sense. That's the only thing I can think of that is non-spectral. I don't like that answer because it is far too logical and I would much <laughs> prefer to think that. Except that. Except that. Okay. The non-corporeal stuff can maybe be explained. But what about the pizzas? Right? What about the pizzas? It's very right. strange. I have no explanation. And I mean, I wasn't eating the pizzas anyways, but I was a little sad that they stopped showing up. Is that weird? <laughs> what did you do when the pizzas would arrive? Did you just close the door and hope they'd go away? Or did you bring them in and throw them the away? The first time I did that because I assumed maybe it was my neighbor across the hall that had uh-huh. gotten the pizza and it was misdelivered to me. Right. But then it was still there the next day so who delivers a single serving that's what i'm saying who gets who pays to have that delivered to you just one what it okay what describe the package that this pizza came in so it was round table okay and it was just the normal little cardboard pizza box just sitting on my doorstep without any of the normal delivery stickers you get you know or receipt or drink do you think you have a (laughs) secret admirer (laughs) somebody like watching you okay how do they correspond to when you go on walks what's the timeline they are always there either when i come back from a walk or when i've been somewhere that is very upsetting (laughs) (laughs) do you think that means there's some weirdo just thinking that they can win my heart by leaving me random pizzas listen i have had worse (laughs) come-ons than a delicious fresh baked round table pizza i mean it's the last honest pizza you know that this is a good ass dude if they're giving you round table this isn't domino's this isn't little caesar's pizza pizza where he got one and you got one he got you a straight up round table Oh my god, <laughs> But that's interesting that it coincides when you're out and about. They know that you're going to be passing said pizza. So they don't have to ring the doorbell and risk getting caught. That's true. That is weird. How hot are they when you discover them? How hot are the pizzas? Yes. Sorry, I know I'm asking a lot of questions <laughs> about the pizza, but I spent the last two weeks thinking about this fucking pizza. So I need to know additional details. I think they were still warm. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. Now you got me thinking about there being somebody weird living in my building. (laughs) It's time for you to invest in a camera. 
Oh my gosh. It's, okay. The time has come. Okay. <laughs> That's the next step. We need to get, I don't know, one of those look like a smoke alarm, smoke detector, like in the shorts we'll be talking about later in the Patreon section. So a secret camera. Yeah, secret camera. Uh-huh. So that you can spy the mystery <laughs> pizza person if they come back. Weird. This is weird. I feel weird even thinking about doing this. I guess it's my own doorway though, right? Right. You're not spying on anything except for your own doorstep. Okay. Right? You're not looking in, you're not going to point it into anybody's apartment. Like you're going to, you just need to set it up so it's looking at your doorstep. I do feel an intense need to know what's happening. I as well feel this need. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the mystery of the pan pizza. This is some Nancy Drew shit. All right. Well, maybe I'll invest in a camera and try to figure this out. You haven't eaten any of the pizzas. I mean, did you open them to see if there was a note? I know where they were for. No, listen, I I'm I support your decision not to eat the pizzas. It's a little bit sad because it is a round table pizza and they are quite delicious. They have excellent <laughs> crust. But did you look inside to see if there was a note? The first time I did because I wanted to know what kind of pizza it was. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, well, okay. <laughs> what kind of pizza was it? It was just a cheese pizza. Okay, that's a basic, safe selection. That is not someone ordering for themselves. Or it could be. You know, if you had got like an anchovies and mushroom pizza, you're like, okay, this right, is a very specific. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like a cheese pizza is a crowd pleaser. So it could be for themselves, but it could also be a safe bet if you are wooing someone via carbohydrate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? No, you're right. That is sound logic. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to need to find out what the T is here. Okay. Are you on speaking terms with your neighbors? Not really. I mean, I do the upstairs guy because he has a really cute dog. But And apparently a very active sex life. Yes, he does. He's the pizza guy. (laughs) He's the pizza guy. (laughs) The noisy sex guy is the pizza guy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how do you think he's getting laid so much? (laughs) Because he's just he's like carboclaws. <laughs> he like goes around and leaves little carbohydrate presents for the ladies. You know, I did make him cookies once when I was trying to get him to keep it down. So oh, maybe it's a trade. <laughs> oh yeah, you've made the first sacrifice. So like, in order for the <laughs> the ritual to be complete, he must provide you with a carbohydrate <laughs> to, that you ingest. I bet it's him, right? If it's not I a pizza mean... ghost, if it's a pizza ghost, then it has to be, <laughs> it has to be him, right? I guess the camera will tell us. I don't know. Are you going to get one? I kind of want to now. I mean, oh, it feels yes! weird, but. I know. Well, I felt energy like maybe this is not going to happen. So I'm I'm circling back on the camera if it's an option. Yeah, I think it's an option. I think I might look into that. <laughs> oh my God. I wonder what the car, I wonder. Oh my God. I hope we catch some shit on camera. I want to know yeah. who's romancing either from the, the ethereal plane or this one. <laughs> okay. I will say there are worse pickups than a pizza. I mean, I guess that's true. I would rather have a pizza than a dick pic. Oh, hell yes. You know a what I mean? Times, like, give yes. me something I can use. <laughs> <laughs> so give me something I want to put in my... No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, too far, too far. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? I mean, honestly, yes. I think... Pizza is a legit woo. <laughs> I think you should have sex with him. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> See, here's the perfect cover that. though. Your mom would never know. 
because he's always up there banging away. She would just assume it was a rando. I think it's perfect. The only problem is you have to worry about your ghost getting jealous. If it's a ghost? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how much of this is going to make it into the show when you're done. I don't know. When you're done editing. I'll find out when I listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay keep me posted i'm gonna need additional updates because in the next two weeks i'm gonna come up with 55 more new questions okay i feel like i've shown a lot of restraint today and i would like credit for that yeah yeah bravo <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well what else has been going on anything exciting aside from your ghost slash secret admirer i went hiking Ew. A couple days ago. I mean, yay. <laughs> you would have hated it because it was super uphill. I um, hiked to the top of Multnomah Falls. It was very beautiful, though. Sounds and I was beautiful. feeling super proud of myself because I got all the way up to the top and I was able to talk to my sister the whole way. Woohoo! Like, yes, cardiovascular. But then I got towards the top and these two women who were literally in their 60s were running up the fucking mountain. <laughs> they were just running. <laughs> and I was like, well... <laughs> I was feeling good about myself. <laughs> yeah. I do feel like you live in the land of yeah. Jan Sport yep. and Tiva Sandals. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. That's to be expected. Yeah. I feel like you can't compare your level of fitness to them. No, I can't. I will never be able to. Like, you're definitely very fit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Plus I was wearing big sunglasses and a mask and so now my forehead is super tan and the rest of my oh, face no. is still pale as a ghost. Are you not wearing sunscreen, young lady? No, I was wearing sunscreen. I always okay. wear sunscreen. Okay. But you... I just tan fairly easily and but it's just my forehead. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. Glad you got out. I, I mean I joke because I I'm not a big hiker, but I'm I know you enjoy it, so I'm happy for you. Yeah. Friends supporting friends. That's what it's all about on, this, on the Four Deadly Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Well, okay, cool. So let's talk about what our plan is for today. We are going to be reviewing a little movie called The Stylist by Jill Gavrigizian. But before we get into that, can you please let people know what our spoiler policy is in case this is the first time they are joining us? Sure. So we are going to give you some basic thoughts about the movie, whether it's worth checking out or not. And then we are going to get into spoiler territory. And at that point, we're going to talk about all the twists and turns and the ending of this movie because it's got an exciting one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if spoilers bother you, go ahead and watch the movie and then swing on back here. Otherwise, just keep listening. Yes, definitely. Also, if this is your first time listening, I'm really sorry about that pizza talk (laughs) and where it went, (laughs) depending on what made it or didn't make it into the final cut of this episode. I apologize lightly or strenuously. (laughs) It's late, folks. It's late. It is very late for us. Yes. (laughs) All right. So first, before we get into our review, let me give you a little background on our girl, Jill. So she is a director and producer that hails from Kansas City, Missouri. Her passion for filmmaking started at a very young age. In junior high, she fell in love with both theater and photography, so she grabbed her father's camcorder and started making movies with all of her friends. They would remake their favorite movies, and then they would also do their own sort of original little comedy sketches. Oh, that's so cool. Hearing about these women, though, that started making movies that young makes me feel like I was a very lazy child. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what I was doing. I mean, I, I, here's the thing is if I thought I could, I would have, or if I had had access to a camera, I probably would have, because when I was a little kid, I a hundred percent made my friends put on plays and I bossed Aww. everyone around. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is huh? shocking. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> I think maybe, yeah, if I wasn't a podcaster, I would probably do something like that. Something where I could be bossy and creative. Yeah. I'm, I'm having a find yourself Friday moment right okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do. I totally, uh, yeah. I These women are always so impressive. And I know we talk about this every time that sort of the through line between all of them is just kind of this take charge bossy lady vibe that I find very, very aspirational. And yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So oh, like I said, they started making movies in junior high. So it's funny. I swear I did not plan this, but she also, when she was a little kid, would make up plays with her friends and make all of her friends perform in them. And she loved the writing of them and getting everybody set up. But then when it came to actually performing them, she would get scared. Oh, wow. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So she said she was basically a director from the start. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So around 13, she stopped making films with her friends, which is sad, and finished school and eventually went to cosmetology school and became a hairdresser and AKA stylist. Ah, okay. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But she got called back to her first love, which is filmmaking, in her late 20s when she was attending a horror convention. She watched a bunch of indie films, and then she ended up meeting some of the filmmakers, and she kind of made this connection mentally, like, oh my gosh, regular people make these movies. And it was kind of that light bulb moment where she was like, well, if they can make these movies, I can make a movie. So she went back to her original love, and she took the leap and directed her first short and fell in love with directing because she found that it combined all of the different art forms that she really liked, like photography and theater and even hairstyling, all of those things, all those creative outlets kind of all fall under this umbrella of filmmaking. That's so cool. And I do feel like it's easy to forget when you're watching big blockbuster movies that there are normal indie movies, like regular people making films. You know, Right. I mean, I think we put them on a pedestal a little yeah. bit because mm-hmm. they've done this really difficult thing. But at the end of the day, people are people. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I think when you make that connection, suddenly things become more possible because there are people and you're a people. So maybe you can do what people do, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, we should do this earlier in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So in 2014, she made, as I said, she made her directorial debut with a short called Call Girl, which is about a video chat gone very wrong, <laughs> which we will talk about again, like I said, in the Patreon bonus ex- extended episode, because we are yeah, going to get into those. At the same time, she founded her production company, Six Tapes, and she followed Carl Girl with several other shorts, including Grammy, The Lermans, and of course, The Stylist, a 2016 short, which this movie we're going to be talking about today is actually based on. The Stylist was a huge hit on the film festival circuit. It won 17 awards, including the Jury Award at Etheria Film Festival. Wow. Yes. Shout out to Etheria. Yeah, that's super impressive. Right? And best performance in a short for Nahara Townsend's performance at Fantastic Fest and Monster Fest. Wow. So, she knew, obviously, she wanted to expand on this. 
<laughs> she wanted to make this thing a feature film pretty much from the start and spent a handful of years, I think five years in total, trying to get it off the ground with traditional funding. She spent a few years sending the script to potential financers and companies, and several of them took interest in the project. But you know how things go. Until it's greenlit, anything can happen. And so things just sort of kept falling apart. So, you know, I think it'd be easy to get very discouraged in a situation like this where you're just kind of like hitting a brick wall. But she was confident that the movie was going to get made no matter what. So she kept going. In an interview with Arrow, she talked about conflicting advice that kept repeating in her head at this point. She said, I kept hearing the advice over and over again about how you just have to go out and do it and not wait for someone to come along. I was also getting advice that this project was too big to try to do on our own because in defense of that, this film has like 15 locations alone. But finally, it was just a matter of frustration and being reminded that life is short and it's just time to do something about it. So we were trying to make it in a much bigger way before, but this way we got to make exactly what we wanted. Oh, that's cool. Right? So instead of waiting around for someone to figure their shit out, she just said, screw it. I want to make this movie. So she took her project to Kickstarter and to the people who she was making it for, the horror fans. No surprise, horror fans came through because we are the best people and the film (laughs) was financed. So she financed the whole thing through Kickstarter? Yup. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Yep. Especially when you see the movie, it looks pretty fucking great. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. So the film was shot in her hometown of Kansas City, which is something that she's very passionate about. She's always trying to get more and more people to come and do film productions there. She's like, you know, you guys are missing out. You should be doing this here. And the film required a lot of background actors. So she got a bunch of locals to come out. And apparently, if you watch closely, you'll see some of the same ones in different scenes throughout the movie. (laughs) She said it was Kansas City pride through and through. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So the film debuted at Fantastic Fest in 2020 and is now available to stream on Arrow's streaming service. Or you can pick it up on Video On Demand. I think either it's out now or it'll be out in like a couple of days. I don't have the calendar right in front of me. But you will have access to this movie very soon if you don't already have access to it. Yeah, that's what I've got. Awesome. Is that all right? Yeah, that was great. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, so let's get into our non-spoiler thoughts about this movie. Ariel, why don't you go first? Tell me what you thought of the stylus in a non-spoilery kind of way. Yeah, so I really like this movie. Oh, great. It's a weird film. <laughs> it's there, very These strange. are the facts. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I think it's also super entertaining. Uh-huh. And I mean, this movie kind of grips you right from the start. It has a great opening scene mm-hmm. and a very cool final scene mm-hmm. <laughs> that I can't wait to talk about in the spoiler part of uh-huh. our review. <laughs> um, but I also think you can tell that this is a passion project. It yeah. is really lovingly shot. It's beautiful and it has this sort of sumptuous color to it. I yes. think that it's just really pretty to look at. The costumes and hair are really great. The visual effects are also really cool. Yeah. I think that they was mostly done with practical effects and they look really good, which honestly isn't always true for indie films. Yeah. But here, I think they look pretty great and they're a lot of fun. And whenever there's not CGI blood, I'm a happy camper. So I was really pleased by that. Uh Uh-huh. 
It also has really great sound design. Not every movie gets that right where the sound itself makes you cringe. And... Ooh, and that opening scene. Oh. <laughs> it's great sound. Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what you want. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think that Nahara Townsend does a really good job in this, as does Bria Grant. I think they're both pretty phenomenal and there's a lot of very emotional scenes that have to happen. And there's also a lot of sort of really awkward interpersonal relationship stuff. Uh-huh. And it feels very genuine to me. I would say the one thing I would caution people on is at the beginning of the movie, once you get past the first energetic scene, <laughs> um, <laughs> it slows down a bit until you get to the third act. And that might turn some people off. But I think that there is enough happening in this movie that you should stay invested in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it'll pay off in the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you've said. I think it is well documented that there are a couple of things that I pretty much am always going to love, which is story about the internal life of a complicated woman. Yes. And a story about a woman behaving badly. Very, (laughs) very badly. (laughs) And this movie gave me both of those things. So, of course, I enjoyed it. (laughs) So, Claire is the main character. And she is this fascinating, if ultimately very mysterious character. Yeah. Partly because... I hope this isn't spoiler territory. She kind of doesn't know herself. So we as an audience also kind of have a challenge in parsing who she is and how she works. So in some ways, this might frustrate audiences who are not willing to put in a little bit of work. But I personally am happy to watch her and try to sort of puzzle out why she's doing the things she does and try to guess what she's going to do next because she's very unpredictable because I don't even know if she knows what she's going to do from yeah. minute to minute, day to day. <laughs> so that is was very interesting to me. Also, I think a lot of the fear and anxiety of this movie is very character-based because you have such an unreliable central character. She's also a deeply sympathetic character on top of that, which is interesting, right? It's kind of like if your heart was breaking for Dexter. A little bit. I mean, it's not a perfect example, but what I'm saying is we've seen this type of character before, like the sympathetic killer. Yeah. But this is a different take on it. The closest, actually, the thing that I thought about a lot watching this movie was May. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That so makes I think a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Fans of May who really want to see this, that story told, a similar story told, not that same story, it's different in a lot of ways but a similar kind of story told through a feminist and female lens will really get a kick out of this movie i also thought about the love witch a lot while i was watching this oh i can see that because they're both these character studies about the danger of loneliness and not knowing yourself yeah that is very true Yeah, and the importance as women of knowing ourselves. I don't know. I I think this effectively mines that horror along with a lot of other stuff. So (laughs) as you said, this movie is very sort of dreamlike and sensual. To me, in terms of its vibe, it kind of took me back to a 70s sort of art house place with the mood and the pacing and some of the 
I don't know what you call them, the overlays and things like that. Some of the visual effects. Yeah. Some of the transitions. Yeah. Are, it's very yeah, much have like that feel. Mm-hmm. a languid character piece punctuated by gore. And if you like that, which I do, you're going to have a really <laughs> good time with this movie. Yeah. If you're looking for something that is very slasher-esque or contemporary, this probably might be more challenging for you. If you're happy to go on the journey like I was, you're going to enjoy it, though. Yeah. I don't know. That's my best. That's my best non-spoilery review. Did I give away too much? (laughs) No, it's just it's hard with this movie to not immediately spoil everything. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Cool. All right. So now we are past. I think we both have recommended this movie. Yeah. Know what you're getting into because I want to set you up to succeed. I want you to enjoy this movie as much as I did. So having the correct expectations, I think, is just going to improve those odds so before we get into our spoiler review i'm going to give people a minute to turn off their phone (laughs) to find it in their pocket maybe they're hiking to the top of the mountain feeling really good about themselves only to be passed up by the golden girls (laughs) throw them the bird keep on running by all right rude (laughs) vamp complete let's get into the synopsis All right, so Claire is a hairstylist who lends a sympathetic ear to the women who sit in her chair. But we quickly come to realize that Claire is struggling with her own issues, and the way she seems to be coping with this is by drugging her clients, then using scissors to remove their scalps before killing them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She then keeps said scalps and tries them on as though they were wigs. Yeah, that is a hard front. (laughs) There is no baby hairs are going to cover what is happening (laughs) in that front. (laughs) I knew you were going to have things to say about the wigs. So, okay, question. Were these wigs? (laughs) Yes. uh, Ariel, were they wigs? (laughs) Yes, they were wigs. Okay, 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 okay. Just making sure. It's one of the few times when I could tell. (laughs) It's when there is a bloody scalp in the front. Then you'll know. Yeah, it made it easy. (laughs) It wasn't like the craft. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. So one of Claire's customers named Olivia, who is played by Bria Grant. Queen. Yes. Comes in for a wedding hair trial and the two women hit it off. Olivia invites Claire to her house to see her try on her wedding dress and then invites her to her bachelorette party. So they sort of start to hit it off. But Claire is awkward around the women at the party. Who are assholes, by the way. Jeez. (laughs) Jerks. They're just jealous because she had the best vintage dress on. Oh, my God. So we're going to talk about those clothes. (laughs) And then Claire sort of quickly becomes obsessed with Olivia. During this time, we also see that every time Claire is dealing with intense anxiety, anger, self-hatred, she deals with this by scalping and killing another woman. (laughs) You do. (laughs) Yeah. She scalps them and then takes that hair back to her basement where she wears the scalp like a wig and pretends to be the women i'm sorry if you have a dog that cute at home you do not need to scalp people for joy right? Just go that look dog at your so dog cute. <laughs> play with the dog play with the dog <laughs> <laughs> so her obsession with olivia continues to grow 
She breaks into her house where she tries on her clothing and other things. (laughs) 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 She then starts to overwhelm Olivia with texts and phone calls and finally shows up at her work and completely weirds her out. But Olivia still asks her to do her hair at her wedding. So Clara shows up to the venue where she does her hair and then things go very, very badly. And we will get into the ending. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ariel, let's talk spoilers. What did you think of this wild ride of a movie? (laughs) Yeah, this movie is wild. It's it goes to some bonkers places. So Again, I think the special effects are really phenomenal in this movie. I think they're a lot of fun. That first scene where she cuts into the woman's head and you're not Mm -hmm. exactly sure what she's going to do. I went into this movie, by the way, without having seen the short first. Oh, see, I hadn't seen the short, but I'd seen the poster. So the one and only thing I knew about this movie was that it had to do with scalping. Yeah, (laughs) I guess I just didn't expect her to just start pulling that scalp off her head. And what I appreciated was that it did not slip off easily. Oh, no. I mean, she had to really work to remove that scalp. Yes, very realistic. And the squelching and slurping sounds that happen during that scene are so gross and so much fun. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I love that. And I think that all of the murder scenes are really great. There is another one later where she has this sort of friendly relationship with a woman who works at the cafe uh, next to her work. Yes, it's so brutal. It's so brutal because she starts to scalp her and then the poor woman wakes up. When her knife slips and it goes across her eye, I was like, no, goodbye, I'm leaving this planet. Yeah, and then she just starts (laughs) stabbing and stabbing. Yep. Yeah, it's a a great scene. I also appreciated us seeing her throwing out her body parts in the garbage. It's brutal, but... There is also a lot of beauty in this movie, too. Mm -hmm. Like we were saying, the way it's shot is really pretty. And -hmm. it has all these great transitions and sort of mood lighting. Yes. Yeah, there's something really beautiful about it, even though you're dealing with this woman who's just becoming a serial killer in front of your eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that a lot of the transitional stuff that they did where there was split screen and the scenes where you're going back and forth between seeing her and Olivia and the text messages was really Mm -hmm. great, too. Mm -hmm. And where you're seeing her sort of writing texts and then erasing them and then not sure if she's going to send it and sending them. I thought all of that was really great. And it helped you get inside of Claire's head really well. So it's sort of like Brian De Palma meets Assassination Nation. It's this very Gen Z aesthetic aesthetic mashed up with this very yes. 70s thriller aesthetic, mm-hmm. which I'm very, very into. Bring back the 70s and 80s sexy thriller, please. Right? I love yeah, everything about it. Somebody needs to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So also, I think that the acting in this movie is really good, especially Nahara Townsend. The way that you're learning about who she is is not through exposition or her narrating. I mean, you really don't know anything about her, but you're learning about her emotional state and how that's sort Mm -hmm. of devolving over the course of the movie. There is a scene where after she's been at Olivia's house, she goes into her car and just starts sort of sobbing and is angry at herself and has a panic attack. 
And that felt really real to me, that self-hatred, that panicky feeling. It just felt very, very genuine. Uh-huh. Man, one hit of serotonin and it was a wrap for Claire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think that even though she is murdering people, there's something about her experience, this social awkwardness, this anxiety that feels very relatable, mm -hmm. and I think allows you to empathize with Claire a lot, even though she's doing things that are obviously reprehensible in reality, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was not expecting to have this movie, you know, make us so sympathetic of the it's hero slash villain yeah but that's a little more interesting and a little more complex you know what i mean i think that's the difference of the female gaze to something like single white female world the thesis is bitches be crazy right yeah it does something where this one's like with bitches that. be complicated <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's a great way to put it because yeah. it is a new spin on that obsessive woman trope that you used to see so much in movies right which is usually so rooted in misogyny Yes. Like if you think 100%. about, you know, the bunny boiler movie, what's that one? Yeah. My brain is fatal. fatal yeah. Fatal attraction. Right. These are all kind of this subgenre of crazy woman uh, obsessed with someone. Right. Or swim fan or the crush starring yeah. Carrie. Oh, God, there are so many. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is this sort of subgenre of crazy, obsessive women. And I don't think that there is ever any sympathy whatsoever for that person for the pain that they're experiencing now do i think that that makes her heroic or the things she's doing forgivable no but i do think it makes it more interesting yeah and a little i mean i don't know if understandable is the right word but you can kind of put yourself in her headspace a little bit because you see right. so much of her emotional state well it complicates the narrative it's not yeah. just blanket she's cuckoo bananas right no, this is a person who is hurting. There's more psychology. Yeah, there's more going on here. Yeah, definitely. So there are a few scenes in this movie where I think there is a lot of subtlety to her acting that is really beautiful. There uh -huh. is that scene during the bachelorette party where she needs to go use the bathroom and it's just her and Bria Grant's character and they're sitting on this banquette and it's just the two of them and Olivia Bria Grant's character is kind of pouring her heart out about some of her hesitations about getting married and some of the things she's worried about. And you can just read everything on Claire's face about mm -hmm. how she has no clue how to respond to this. Right. Right. And but desperately wants to say desperately the right thing. wants to have this friend and make a connection because she's so lonely and so isolated, but she does not know how to do it. She just doesn't have that capacity. Yeah. Right. It's heartbreaking, really, mm -hmm. to watch. And then she goes in the bathroom, and those women are so mean. Yeah. <laughs> so mean. Brutal. And you just feel for her so much. Because just how sad that is that she thinks she's doing an okay job of being at this party, and these women are just not having it. Right. Well, I mean, she's just had this moment where her yeah. and, and Olivia have really connected, and they're going to go running together. Yeah. And, and She's on this high being like, oh, my God, I've made a friend only to hear these women talk and about be her and confirm all of her worst fears about herself. Yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. Oh, she should have killed both of them. I was really surprised she did not. Right? <laughs> 
very surprised. They deserved it. I mean, not really, oh, but like look kind at of. You. Look at you. <laughs> Someone has touched a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can totally relate to those feelings, especially as a teenager when you're mm-hmm. trying to make connections with people and people are just terrible, you know? Yeah, totally. So do you want to talk about the masturbation scene? Do I want to talk about anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, we can talk about it. Sure, why not? We're I love this scene where she's in the house because for me, it was one of the most tense parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of the scenes of her actually murdering people are pretty tense, but I was on the edge of my seat thinking she was going to get caught, you know? There's a part of me that's like, no, you're going to ruin the French. Right? Exactly. (laughs) Which is insane. It's totally insane. This is not a good friendship for for Olivia. This is not good for her. But I'm just like, don't mess it up, girl. Yeah. It's like she's going to walk in and everything will be ruined. Yes. (laughs) So a couple of things. First, that nightgown was really beautiful. Beautiful. As is all of the costuming in oh, this movie. I'll let you get God. into it because I know you have a lot to say, but mustard is now my new favorite color. Right? <laughs> it's so Holy beautiful on her. Crap. That dress with the pleating. <gasps> <gasps> when something spilled on it, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> murder, you were murder, just as murder. As she was. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so. As she's going through Olivia's house and looking at all of her things and going through her drawers, she stumbles upon a vibrator and then lays down on her bed and masturbates with it. Yeah. And here's the thing is, I don't think that scene would have been written if a woman had not been involved in this script. Interesting. Elaborate. Tell me more. Okay. So I think... If it had been written by a man, it would have been more to titillate. And I feel like here it does two things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so first, it does a really good job of actually showing female pleasure and focused on her face, which Mm -hmm. a lot of movies fail to do. Right. And then I think the other thing is that it conveys to the audience her desperation to find some kind of connection with another person yeah because they Mm -hmm. have her looking at this picture of olivia while she's doing it Mm -hmm. she's so isolated and so lost as to how to connect with another human being that she goes to these very weird places yeah and lengths to Mm -hmm. meet that need you know Mm -hmm. anyways i thought it was a great scene even though it is an odd thing to watch yeah, no, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. I think in the moment I was just so caught up in the like, no, you're yeah. going to get caught. And this is so much worse than just being <laughs> in the house. I know. You wearing her nightgown while masturbating on her bed. It, I mean, yeah, she walked that in on that. Is like a, that's kind of a friendship in her. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But I think, I mean, here's the thing is, does it have thematic import? Does it have thematic purpose? And I think it absolutely does because it's kind of at this place where she has gotten to a whole nother level of desperation. Yeah, exactly. And that, like you said, this desire to connect is so strong and she's just sort of this voyeur on the outskirts of Olivia's life. And this kind of allows her to enter her most intimate circle. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's intense. <laughs> <laughs> it is intense. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
So I would love to hear some of the things you liked about it. And then I would like to talk about the ending. Okay. That sounds good. So I, I mean, you've covered a lot of the territory that I wanted to cover really well. So I'm going to try not to repeat things that you said, but I do have to just talk about the visual aesthetic of this movie is the word I would use to describe it is sumptuous. Mm -hmm. This movie is very feminine. It's very dreamlike and sensual, the way that the shots linger over hair being touched and manipulated. You know, there's these tight shots of Claire's features, which, you know, have you seen Prettier Eyes? They don't exist. Oh, I know. <laughs> there's a true sense of intimacy to the camera that never feels objective. Yeah. Because even though we are looking at pieces often of Claire's face, we're absorbing information about her internal experience so that even though the camera itself has this objective take the information that we're gleaning is extremely subjective does that make sense yeah yeah it really does and I liked what you said about the intimacy of it because I think that one having your hair done by another person is very intimate and so yes. I think that the camera does a very good job of showing that relationship even when she's touching hair that is no longer on someone's head right and I think the right. other part of it is that intimacy we're feeling with that character as we're growing to learn more about her and empathizing more with her yeah there is I think that you needed that intimacy to get there with that character given that there aren't exposition dumps or anything else yeah she's not going to tell us no almost anything over the course of this movie so it requires you as the audience member to kind of put together where she's at emotionally without the data of being able to draw point a to point b this happened in her life and this is why she's this way you know what i mean you get a few of those things and we're going to talk about those especially when we get into costuming but for the most part you are in terms of her character development you meet her in media res and you don't really get a lot more than that but no. i but I think that the way that the camera lingers on her face in these scenes, the use of lighting when her just like strip of light over her eyes when she's looking in mirrors and things like that, all of that helps you to kind of understand her internal workings, even if you can't totally understand whatever the neurological inciting incident is, you know? Right. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't necessarily know... Was there a point of trauma that happened and what was that trauma? Did she have a bad childhood? Is she dealing with mental health issues? You really yeah. don't know, but it almost doesn't matter because right. you do learn enough about her internal emotional state to get a feel for her, yeah. if that makes sense. The things we do know is she obviously has abandonment issues because yes. of the loss of both of her parents. And she also has clued into physical appearance as identity. The stuff yeah. about her mother constantly changing how she looked and never knowing who she was going to come home to. And then right. also there was the sense that she had a problem with alcohol. I mean, there's also another level of that of not knowing who you're coming home to because yeah, that's presumably true. she was different people sober or drunk or whatever. And so I think this character probably also has some mental health issues. But I think some of it stems from having a mother whose identity was mercurial and whose appearance was mercurial and not being able to kind of latch onto who that person was and thinking physical appearance equals identity. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I hadn't totally put that together, but I think you're right. 
So that's why, in addition to putting the hair on, she's trying other people's identities. On. Yeah. And then in Claire's, she sees kind of everything she wants. A family that's close-knit. A fian- I mean, I don't think she's that interested in the fiancé. And no, but I think just the sense of having somebody else in your life, right? Even if he's not the one she would want for herself, you know, the group of girlfriends that mm-hmm. love you, a partner. She has a very full life in a way that the very isolated Claire does not, and so that's the identity that she arrives into the world and out of her basement in. But we'll get into that. Very Sorry, true. I'm getting to the end. <laughs> no, so, it's fine. Let me just talk about a couple quick things before we get to that actual final scene. So yeah, I mean, even I talked about how the movie's aesthetic is super feminine, but even a lot of the themes are very much rooted in female identity in a way that, again, I think speaks to the fact that it was, this is a a filmmaker who is a woman, a woman identified, and then she co-wrote it with Eric Havens and Eric Stoles. Now, I don't know anything about Eric Stoles in terms of this, but I know that in an interview, she said that Eric Havens is non-binary and pansexual. And so I do think that this not being the gaze of the straight male person definitely lends a certain authenticity to a lot of these dynamics in the movie, right? Yeah. Things like obsessive friendship. I mean, think about when you were young. And and I think in a lot of ways, Claire's, is kind, Claire's kind of arrested in this sort of preteen place. You would have that friend that you didn't know if you wanted to be her or wear her like a skin suit. Yep, a hundred percent. Yes, and and I, you know, that is that is something that uh, today I don't feel. You know, I love my friends. I don't want to wear them, but like I can cool. remember <laughs> finding new friends and becoming absolutely obsessed with them to an almost romantic place. I don't think that there's romantic or sexual tension between her and Claire, but it's rooted in that same kind of gray area of when you get obsessed with a girlfriend. Yeah. I also think the way that we as women explore our identity through our appearance a lot of times is something that, you know, we talked about that Claire does here. You know, if you think about a makeover, do men also express themselves with what they were? Absolutely. But there is something very coded female about the idea of a makeover, right? And she is having a very extreme makeover, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of women have that experience of having a makeover and feeling kind of renewed and Uh like a new lease on life. And I think that she's just a very extreme version of that. And those scenes where she's in her basement trying on the human scalp wigs yeah and then also like you were saying trying on their personalities trying to speak as they speak i think it's just a very yeah extreme version of that and yeah. is is creepy and unsettling yes. but also kind of relatable the root of it is relatable yeah exactly yeah yeah and also just sort of that very particular longing of wishing to have a group of girlfriends yes i remember i read an article about a woman who it would hurt her heart to watch sex in the city because the thing she never had and always wanted was that group of girlfriends so to be the person that's on the outside of that dynamic and seeing those tight-knit relationships even to this day i'll see people i knew from high school that are still all friends i mean they all still live in my terrible backwards hometown and i'm glad that i've progressed in many ways from that but there is a little part of me that longs to be like what would it be like to have these girlfriends that i had since i was 15 yeah or 14 or 12 you know what i mean and so there is sort of this grain of a desire for sisterhood 
that I totally recognize in Claire and is something that I think is a very female experience. Yeah. And then obviously a stylist as a killer is fantastic, right? Because, (laughs) you know, we allow these people to have very intimate contact with us, right? We allow them to touch us. My hairdresser has seen parts of my head that I have never seen. Oh, good point. Right? (laughs) I feel like I share things with her. We have these small interactions where we're kind of a captive audience and you have no choice but to get kind of deep and to go really intimate places. And there's a degree of just sort of emotional vulnerability. But they also use really sharp instruments near our face and head. (laughs) (laughs) And so I feel like those things together are kind of a ripe opportunity for for horror. And and it's kind of surprising there haven't been a lot of things like this because honestly, there are a handful of people we let have these kinds of close things with us and they're dentists, total horrifying. And but then also stylists. But you are so vulnerable in a different way with them. I don't know. I just thought it was a really cool idea I'd never thought of, but it's pretty perfect because it's such an Yeah, it is setting. so perfect that it's almost surprising there hasn't been a movie made about this very topic before. The opening scene, she's the last person alone in, in the salon. Yes. I've yeah. 100% been that person. Uh-huh. Many times. Many times I've been the last client of the day and everybody kind of goes like they're independent contractors. So they all go when they're ready and it's just you and them, you know, chopping it up in the shop and it's great. It's fun. But what if it wasn't? (laughs) Right. What if they were a serial killer? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the costuming. Okay. So, oh my God. Claire's wardrobe is delicious. Yeah. It is this beautiful, earthy palette, 70s, late 60s aesthetic. There's a little bit of mod and then very high camp 70s at some point. It's so glamorous. It's so beautiful. The palette is so inviting and warm and earth mother, which is why it's so interesting that this is her chosen aesthetic. And I think there's a few things at play here. I have a few kind of, I don't know, some of these might be tinfoil hat, but these are, this is the thing that I was thinking while I was watching it. Yeah, let's hear it. For one thing, it is such a perfect mask to be so totally put together on the outside to have this very old school, wholesome, vintage vibe. And there's a level of sophistication there too. Sophistication yeah. is a great word that allows you to feel secure. This person does mm-hmm. not code in, as dangerous in any way that would allow someone like that, even if they're a little awkward and weird at first, to insinuate themselves into their life. She's so polished. She's so put together. And I think it makes sense for her character because... There's a lot of interpersonal things she has no control over and no understanding of, but she can control her aesthetic. That's a skill set that she has and that it is her way of making space for herself in the world because by presenting in this way, she can move through the world in a way that she's not getting the kinds of weird stares and things like that she's getting from the girls once they have a little more interaction with her, right? Yeah, no, that's a that's a very, very good point. Because, yeah, you wouldn't second guess it. And you would never guess that she does some of the dark things she does in this movie. Right. Based on her outward appearance. Not she the just person looks very in the put beautiful together. vintage gown. Oh, no. She, no. No. But the other thing is, is, and I think this comes back to these ideas of connections with her mother. 
because the era that she dresses in was probably very close to the era that her mother oh. dressed in. Yeah. Right? I bet so you're right. Uh-huh. I do think it kind of connects to this place of this woman who has had such a huge influence on her life and is gone. She's connecting with her mother and she is very attached. We see the photos, her looking at photos of her mother. And I do think there is, in some ways, this is how she's kind of following modeled behavior, becoming a stylist as well, constantly changing her appearance in more extreme ways. She doesn't know who she is, so she's kind of putting on... Emulating her mom. Emulating yeah. her mother. Yeah. What that equals is, I get to look at beautiful clothes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's all I care about. Oh, and God. It all looks fantastic with her amazingly beautiful red hair. Yeah. That's the hardest part to believe that she would ever want to put something on top of that hair. (laughs) Right? Let those tresses be free. (laughs) (laughs) Never shot, never hide those tresses. (laughs) Stunning. Beautiful, beautiful hair. You've talked about the acting. You talked a lot about Nahara Townsend. I just wanted to point out, obviously, we're Brie Grant fangirls here, granted, but I do think that she is a great counter to this very sort of quiet, withdrawn, emotional Claire. Olivia is this bubbly, approachable, friendly character that is, you know, a, a great contrast. But the thing about Bria Grant, and I think that she does so well, I saw it a lot in After Midnight. She is very good at adding a lot of layers to her character. Yeah, and I true. think about that scene in the parking lot when she confronts her and puts up her boundaries. I think in that scene, you really get to see the multifacetedness of her character, which I think is very much Grant's wheelhouse, right? Is being this very vivacious, bubbly character that can also come across as very strong and have strong boundaries mm-hmm. and be a powerful person. I don't know. It'd be very easy for that character to be extremely one note, but she's not. Yeah, and I I think it would also be easy for her to turn into a little bit of a villain at that point because you're empathizing so much with Claire up until that point. But you don't because Bria Grant plays her as being so approachable and friendly. And even in that moment where she's being a little harsh with Claire, Claire has also massively stepped over the boundaries of what's okay. (laughs) And the way that she says it, you know, it's firm. And there's a little bit of coldness there, but it's not cruel in any way. No. Yes. She never turns into a mean girl. And I think she's initially introduced to you as kind of ditzy and kind of pushing to get what she wants. And, oh, it's my wedding. And so in that moment, you see another side of her. There's a line where she says to her, I'm telling you this because I genuinely think you don't know. Which shows a level of emotional intelligence that you wouldn't necessarily expect from that type of character because typically they're not written that way. Right. In real life, those people exist. <laughs> but yeah. not typically on not screen, Not in movies, sadly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. That's what I've got. Let's move into the end. Woo. What right. an ending. What an ending. <laughs> All right. So just to break it down, if you're listening to this and you didn't heed our spoiler warnings and you're here anyways, basically... Claire goes to the wedding venue to do Olivia's hair. She does Olivia's hair, gets her all beautiful. And the next scene, we are seeing her walking down the aisle to her future husband. But when she gets there to the end of the aisle, 
the future husband has a horrified look on his face and the camera pans over and we realize that it is in fact Claire wearing an Olivia wig. Oh. <laughs> and just beaming. Yeah. <laughs> so happy. The full metamorphosis has happened. Yeah. She thinks when she puts this on, the world sees her as Olivia. Yes. I love how, I don't know if you noticed this, but before she came in, I was like, oh God, I know what's about to happen. And then she comes in and I'm trying to look through the veil. And I think that this was shot twice. Once with Bria Grant. Once with Bria Grant. Because I kept going like, no, 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 that's Bria Grant. Okay. No, no, no. That's Bria Grant. Okay, I had the same it's experience. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. And then finally the reveal. And you were yeah. like, oh no, we're seeing what's in her head. We're seeing her perspective. Yes. She sees herself as Olivia. But yeah, I think it was that's her exactly all along. What no. <laughs> and just wearing this bloody scalp. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that she is just sort of beaming with pride as though she is the bride that day and yeah. not just a serial killer wearing somebody else's scalp. And she looks confused as to why people are not reacting well to her. You know, yeah. it's really great. <laughs> There's a great little bit of acting here with the with the husband, with the yes. fiance, where you're watching him put together what he's looking at yeah. and the dawning horror of what he realizes has happened. Yeah, because when he first sees her, he doesn't immediately react. And so I was like, oh, OK, it's not where I thought it was going to go. And then he slowly begins to realize the horror of the situation. It is really good. Yeah, he did a great job. It's a subtle bit of acting mm -hmm. where it starts from confusion to, is this a joke? To, oh my fucking God. <laughs> and then terror. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really, his face kind of runs through this gamut of emotions. And you, as an audience member, because you can't see what's happening and you think you know what's happening, but you really hope what you're seeing is not yeah. really happening. You're so clued into his face, trying to read all of the micro expressions. And he does a really, really great job. It's just a small little bit of acting, but I was like, oh, all right, good job, buddy. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a good ending. And it when you finally ending. see her face, it's it's great. And all everybody running away from her in horror. Yeah. You know, like basically jumping over each other to get out of that room. <laughs> yeah. I love it when the move and a movie ends on like a very iconic shot. Mm-hmm. And this movie does it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. It does it in a big way. And I also think that just having it in a wedding makes such a big impact too. Right. Uh -huh. you know, where she, if she had done the same thing in another setting, I, I feel like it wouldn't have done as no. big of a thing as this does. And I think that because there is some slow pacing in the middle of this movie, you really needed that jolt at the end. I agree. Know? I agree. I agree. I also think that the movie does a good job of helping you, even though they don't spend a ton of time on it, understanding Olivia's life and her dynamic with all the people that are in that room. Yeah. We know her relationship with Charlie. We know that she's close to her family. We just met her lovely mother. We know she has this tight-knit friend group. It's not just the as a human being, I know everyone would be horrified in there. We have actual data about what her relationship is with all of these people. That half, over half the church is her family alone. Yeah. 
and then to have this be revealed in front of oh, all of them yeah. really <laughs> heightens just the total devastation of that scene. The sick part of me is just living for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the horror fan in you when you're kind of inwardly cheering for yeah. this moment. I mean, we love we love a villain, you know? What are you yeah. going to do? Yep. What are you going to do? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. Me too. All right. Do you have any cons? Yeah, I have a couple little things. Okay, let's hear them. So one, I've already brought this up, but I do think the pacing is mm-hmm. off in the middle of the movie. Yeah. I think it gets a little too slow. And I mean, I think that there are some interesting and good things that happen during that point. I just think maybe it could have been sped up or, or the movie could have been cut down by 10 minutes or something like that. Well, you know how I feel about runtimes. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing is the score for this movie. Mm, Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of this movie where there is no music or score of any kind. It's just silent. And I think that sometimes that can work to build the tension. But I think in those moments when the pacing was off, I think it detracted from it. You felt it. it, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I felt it more because there wasn't a score. And then when there was one, it was kind of repetitive. And I don't feel like it did the movie favors by adding to that tension and atmosphere mm, okay. in the way that a lot of horror scores. I mean, do. it is not a horror score. No, it is not. Not at all. And I don't always need that, but no. I just think that it didn't, it didn't build the atmosphere. I it guess. is, it is not a lot of percussion no, building no. up <laughs> strings. And then, you know what I mean? It's yeah. very like the movie itself is very kind of, old school and melodic and languid you know yeah mm-hmm. and that, that may work really well for some people I just think like I said in those slower places it wasn't That's fair it wasn't my favorite okay this is a silly one but maybe it's because I watch too many detective shows but I was uh-oh, like why uh-oh. are you not wearing gloves <laughs> you're leaving your <laughs> fingerprints absolutely uh-oh everywhere you're gonna be very annoyed by spiral i'm just gonna tell you that right up front nobody's ever wearing gloves in that movie but yeah i know i know i'm just getting it out of the way now (laughs) so that you just know what you're getting into with that one yeah i did appreciate though that there were missing posters and that there was actually footage of her pictures of her committing the crimes because she's literally committing all of these murders within a very short maybe two week period of time all in the neighborhood where she lives and works she's not a master criminal she's someone that's coming apart so the fact that she's just kind of getting away with it as much as she is is kind of a miracle yeah because she disposes of that woman's body in the trash can behind the place where she killed her and she's not wearing gloves for any of it so i think it would be a pretty easy catch although i don't know murderers get away with shit all the time so what do i know oh my god we didn't talk about it the satin negligee with that giant puffy coat oh yeah (gasps) so good so good okay yeah Yeah, i know what you mean yeah (laughs) so i agree my cons i also didn't really have much in this department i would say i'm not gonna beat the you know whole pacing stuff i would say that it has a very deliberate pace you have to be up for it it has a very dreamy quality it can be challenging doesn't mean it's bad it requires a little more of you and a little more patience and I think some people struggle with that. I sometimes struggle with that. So you need to not be doing other things when you watch this movie. You have to be ready to be like, I just want to chill and watch people get scalped. 
And if you do yeah, that, absolutely. you're going to have a great time. If you're looking for something with a kind of, you know, a snappier pace to it, you're going to find this to be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can put up with that, if that's okay with you, the first and third act do have a lot of stuff happening in them and do move much more quickly. It's the second act where it gets a bit slow, but there is still things that happen there and and shots that are really beautiful. So I will say when she's in that woman's house hiding in the bathtub, there's (sighs) another incredibly tense scene. And I think it is somewhere in the middle. So it does. There are some sort of tent pole moments that will pull you through some of the slower parts and the payoff is worth it the price of admission agreed yeah yeah the other thing i said i i have here is kind of it's i mean i was kind of looking for cons because i i'm always like none which doesn't feel like a very critical take on a movie so i'm like what what are things that i wish there was more of is essentially mm-hmm. kind of how i approached it and i think i would have liked even more to be in claire's head i find her to yeah. be incredibly fa- fascinating but also a little opaque i can get quite a bit from watching her performance and the little you know pieces of information that we get but i would have liked more i would have liked yeah. to know a little bit more about her um right just i don't need I... a fully sketched in backstory no. but if we had gotten more information like in the basement there could have been more sort of cookie crumbs for you yes. to follow mm-hmm. i don't need an expedition dump but i i find her to be an interesting character and so i would actually have just I mean, if we're going to spend the, you know, almost two hour runtime with her, I want to know yeah. more about her. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So that was what I had. I I mean, I, I liked the movie, so I don't have a ton of negative things to say about it. So, so yeah, I think overall, another win for women director kind. If you yes. haven't seen it and you didn't care about spoilers and you stayed with us, get on it. What about you? Yeah, I would definitely recommend this one. Yeah. And I think it's just such an interesting concept and something different enough that if you're a big horror fan and you've seen everything, watch something different. Watch this. I mean, it kind of has a little bit of a Lady Norman Batesy to it. Oh, interesting. You know? I like yeah. that. I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> Who's the psycho fan now? <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts before we wrap up? All right. Cool. So can't wait to see what Jill does next. Obviously, count us in. We will be watching that. Yes. Looking forward to asking her about what she's doing next. Hint, hint. Um, (laughs) Big hint. (laughs) Big hint. (laughs) All right. Great. So thumbs up to the stylist. Two very sharp scissors up. Snip, snip. <laughs> listener mail. Girl, we got some listener mail. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, who wrote us? All right. So this letter comes from our very good friend, Eddie. Oh, Eddie. Yes. Yay. Eddie's one of our buddies on the Discord. He's done some, you know, group watches with us. He was on an episode of the Stream Queens. He's good people. And he's given me a mandate to be better about promoting the Patreon because he's like, let's grow this community. <laughs> so I'm trying to to do that, Eddie. But yeah, he's one of the people you get to hang out with if you join our Patreon and our yeah. Discord. Honestly, he's a good selling point because yeah. he watches a lot of horror movies. He yeah. has really intelligent comments. He's very funny. He's very active on it. And, and he does sometimes post amazing pictures of his daughter's grumpy cat. 
and it Ernest. is the best. Oh my god, I <laughs> it is the best. Obsessed with Ernest. <laughs> oh my god, he's so cute. He's so grumpy. All right, so Eddie, he is commenting on our Saint Maud episode. Oh, okay. I haven't read this yet, so I only saw the PS, and I was like, oh, sweep under the Ariel. Okay, hello, Rachel and Ariel. Writing about that really interesting film you covered on the last podcast, Saint Maud. That was unique. This weird intersection between past trauma and the part of the brain that allows for conversion experiences. I have to say I never thought about the two together, but along comes this film that shows that the two can be connected. Makes me wonder what Joan of Arc's trauma was. I mean, same, mm, dude. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, being a woman in medieval France. <laughs> right. I feel like, like that's enough. Dramatic. <laughs> I mean, the underwear alone. <laughs> Probably, oh, probably just being a woman when she lived. Oh, there we go. Way to go, Eddie. All right. Being an atheist, I'm really fascinated with the part of the brain that allows for magical thinking and how it helps and hurts us as a species. Yeah, no kidding. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. This film was fascinating, taking a step further and connecting trauma to it as well. I had not thought about in those terms. So great choice of a provocative film. I thought Morfid Clark really captured the woman struggling with this need to be part of something bigger after being a bit shattered from past events. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that, but I guess there is a big part of this, like a sense of needing to feel like you belong. There's a belongingness that happens to joining a religion or That's any kind of point. group, right? Yeah, and also I think because she was a nurse too. I mean, there's a big sense of community, I think, among nurses who work in a hospital. Mm. And then she lost that job and lost that community. Mm. And also dealing with that level of mortality. Yes. Yeah. You would really, really, really want to believe that this is just the first step. You know what I mean? That right. something is beyond the putting her hands through that guy's chest. It was not the end for him. We didn't even talk about that, but I'm, I'm thinking about it now for the first time. Yeah, there'd be a lot of comfort in that, I think. Yeah. I just watched The Descent a bunch of times. I mean, there are worse things to do with your day. The Descent sure. is a great movie. And have been having a discussion about whether there was actually any crawlers in the film or if Sarah just snaps after the collapse of the cave and sets about killing her friends. Ooh. Oh, that's dark. That I is like that. That's the interpretation, <laughs> really <dark>. my friend. <laughs> God. That movie, Damn, I I'm going to have to watch that again now. I wonder if I watch it now, how I would feel about it now that I'm a husk of a human. Because, God, that movie, the first time I saw it, was terrifying. I agree. Those scenes where she's stuck, too, <gasps> I feel like that would still get <gasps> me. Because I just remember <gasps> feeling like I was dying. Like, like the rocks so start bad. moving. And oh. 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 Yeah, I think that part will still 100%. I mean, I can't even watch that part and die hard, okay? I think that right, will be effective. Right. Okay, trauma of losing her family and then the stress of being maybe trapped in the caves forever just break her. Everything we see from then on is just a fantasy her mind has created. I watched the UK ending where she ends the film still in the cave imagining her daughter's birthday cake, which is oh, evidence shit. to... this. I think this makes it a little less tinfoil. Like that film, I think St. Maud captures that broken character. And the ending of Maud is telling in that although we get to see the artistic scene of Maud the Angel, we get that tiny flash of her screaming in agony before the movie ends. Another movie where the end will stay with me freaking forever. Yep. So that was that. with that said, I'm going to send this email and listen to the podcast. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. Okay. 
side note here. Oh, okay. Ariel maybe has the sexiest voice in podcasting. Oh my Am god! I right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but that's so sweet. Question mark. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Aw, that is actually kind of nice to hear because I do the editing for the this podcast, and I have to listen to my own voice back. And if you've never had the pleasure of listening to your own voice recorded, it's rough going. It's rough going. <laughs> no, but you do have such a nice voice. I'm so envious of it because I also have to listen to my voice. And I sound like I don't even know what. No, that is not true. You sound great and you have a terrific I sound like laugh. a nose with legs. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, hello. Welcome to the Zombie Girls podcast. And then I laugh like Ursula. It's just, it's torture. It's freaking audible torture so then your voice is like you're killing me it's like so syrupy and sweet and just so smooth and velvety and then you're like oh i hate my voice i'm like fuck you (laughs) you sound like you have a tin can for a head and then we'll talk (laughs) oh my god you do not but my stomach hurts from laughing (laughs) (laughs) nothing's funnier than the truth but yes, I agree with you, Eddie. Ariel has a very sexy voice. Oh, maybe I need to make some money off that. I Do mean, people still call sex hotlines? Is that a thing? I'm or did sure that die out in the be. 80s or 90s? <laughs> there must be. Is there an OnlyFans for just voices? I mean, I guess there's ASMR stuff. You could probably do some ASMR. How's your whisper voice? I don't know. Well, let's hear it. Oh, <laughs> I got tingles running all through me. <laughs> now go cut up some soap. <laughs> awesome. This is how you. I'm going to make my money. <laughs> hey, there are worse things to do. Yeah. How are your feet? I bet you could point. take pictures of your feet and people will pay you for that. I don't know about that. I have huge feet for a woman. That's probably, I mean, there's there's probably an audience for that. <laughs> You're like, look at them. So lengthy. So girthy. <laughs> so girthy. <laughs> oh, my God. We have recorded way too late. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. We'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up because I am losing my fucking mind. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for the letter editing. It's so yeah, great that was to hear great. from you. That was it's a great really one. yeah, and it's really cool to hear other people's interpretations of the films too, because everybody has a little bit of a different take on it, and I like to think about things in a new way. So that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, you heard it happen in real time. We're like, oh, I didn't think about this. Yeah, exactly. So if, like Eddie, you want to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. You can hit us up over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. You can hit us up on Twitter at CG Podcast or on Instagram at CG Podcasts, plural. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you're looking for something to watch tonight, put your eyeballs on the Zombie Girls website and check out our video on demand and streaming calendar, which we keep track of all the horror and horror adjacent stuff that is on video on demand and streaming. And if you like nerdy stuff and want to watch us play video games, check out our twitch channel we also play a lot of board game simulator on there so you can watch us play horror trivia games and we're gonna play uh reign of cthulhu next which i'm very excited about and i do think we can play with five players just oh awesome and if you join our patreon you could maybe play with us because eddie the guy who just wrote in he played horror trivial pursuit with us last time these are facts yep yeah and you should join the patreon anyway because 
we got lots of great perks, extended episodes. Like today, we're going to be talking about Jill Gavargizion's shorts and probably going to say inappropriate things over there that you'll miss out on that probably won't get edited out because we don't edit shit in the extended episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's very unfiltered. It's also very much a peek behind the curtain. But you can hang out with us on our Discord, which honestly is so much fun. A lot of really great, fun people on there. A lot of funny stuff. You, If you're not on there, you are missing out. Definitely join us over there. And if you want to have a cool t-shirt, you want to rock some sweet merch, check out our merch on tpublic.com forward slash podcast. Wish that wasn't so long, but I don't know how to fix it. So it is what it is. All right. <laughs> that just leaves our plan for the next episode. Now, Arrow. You, ma'am, are in charge of programming. What? What? What are we going to put our eyeballs on? All right. So we are going to watch a movie that's on Netflix called Things Heard and Seen, starring Amanda Seyfried. Yes. I love her. So it is directed by Sherry Springer Berman and Robert Polcini. Mm. I'm guessing that's how you say his last name. We'll find out in the next episode. Yeah, We we usually figure it out by the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Usually. (laughs) And it is about, let's see. So after moving to a small town with her husband, a young artist begins to suspect that their home harbors some dark secrets. So that could be interesting. That could be fun. Yeah, I keep seeing it pop up on Netflix. So I figured let's check it out. Yeah, definitely. This one was on my radar, but I've seen it's very divisive. But to me... I'm always intrigued when something is really divisive. Me too. Because it it could go either way. Because I usually come away with it having strong feelings one way or the other. Yes, exactly. Like, it's not just like, oh, that was a movie I watched. Which is, even though it's less challenging than a movie that I hated, there's nothing to say about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a thing that I spent two hours of my life on. (laughs) As opposed to something where even if I hate it, I have feelings about it. I have thoughts about it. Why I hated it. You know what I mean? So... I always like these sort of divisive movies. Yeah, I think it'll make for a good conversation. Hopefully so. we'll love it. That'll be fun. Yeah. Or agreed. maybe one of us will love it and one of us will hate it. Oh, that'll be Ooh. fun. <laughs> Things heard and seen. The final more deadly. <laughs> Where the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> no, it would never happen. I was The other day I was trying to think of what would Ariel have to do to make him actually mad at her? It would take so much. <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this, but you could be pretty bad to me and I would forgive you because you've built up oh so much gosh, friendship that's credit. crazy. I feel the same way. Oh, yeah. really? That's yeah, so Rachel, nice. you should, if you don't know this about yourself, you should. You're an amazing friend. And for anybody that, not listening, she is such an amazing friend. Me. And there were years where my life was kind of in the toilet and Rachel would not let me stop being her friend. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very clingy. <laughs> no, I just, no, I mean, I have a tendency when I'm not doing well to push the people I love away and you wouldn't let me, which is why we're still friends, which Aww. is awesome. Yay, my neurosis wins. <laughs> <laughs> but that honestly, you know, I don't take compliments well, but that one is the best compliment you could give me. Aww, Thank good. you. I'm a little for clips. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's raining on my face just a little bit. <laughs> I love you so much. Take me out, you nerd. Oh, okay. Um, oh, right. <laughs> you were talking to me. <laughs> Woo. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. Meet us back here in two weeks for our review of Things Heard and Seen. 
and see whether we love it or hate it. And if you're a patron, stick around because we're going to be talking about some short films that the director of The Stylist made. And that should be really fun. And yeah, that's it. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host and good friend, Ariel, for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Chardonnay.